0: Alex, I really enjoy the fact that I joked about you being replaced on the, I guess, first official show, which was last Friday with uh, David S. uh, Gallant, Uh, and some people took that really seriously. Some people thought I had actually made an executive decision to boot you off the show. And see, and this is why people took me seriously. (laughs) It would be the right move at this point, probably the prudent move. (laughs) Welcome back, you are back, uh, well, a week ago you would have been back in America, but now you are in the back of the land of the living, because it sounds yes. like you've spent a week uh, in a particular kind of jet lag hell.
1: Yeah, it's uh, comatose is perhaps the best way to describe it, uh, you know, it's 13 hour time difference, so it's basically the literal reverse of time oh, wow! Uh, in, in Shanghai where I was, so you know, I got back in... I was having these little things where it's like, oh, cool! I'm sleeping for like three hours one night, and then the next night I slept for 15 straight without waking up once, and uh, that that is unsettling. If that has ever happened to you, uh, that is that is not. I mean, I I can sleep. Uh-huh. I like sleep, but that is that is too much. That is way too much sleep.
0: What? I think Jeff Gerson might disagree. Um, what did you do when you got there then? Because you you have the same problem, right? Or did you land and the way the time works out, it was was it the day like how did it how did it, was, it work out
1: it was daytime when we got there it was like late afternoon early evening and then we got to the airport or i got to the hotel you know it it had gotten dark by that point uh the way it worked that i managed to, to switch myself pretty easily that way because you just had to last a couple to, hours yeah, I just stayed up. Basically, okay. I just stayed up through the entire uh, series of plane rides uh, to Tokyo and then to eventually to Shanghai, and that eventually got me to a semi-normal schedule the week I was there. But going back, I just for some reason the whole thing just fell apart, and <laughs> I, I just I became mush. I was basically mush this entire past week.
0: If you don't, if you don't do it the first day, you're pretty much a lost cause. Uh, at least yeah. that's been my experience. Is like. the first day of traveling or the day that you travel is is a hellish day especially if you're doing a you know a trip like the one you just did where you've got connecting airports in several international destinations and by the time you get back you've been through so much hell you know adding on another six hours of just trying to stay up isn't that crazy but if you don't do it that first day like having the will to do that once you're back in like your own apartment, and in a, you know, your, your own comfortable area. I imagine
1: that's really difficult. When I got back to my apartment, I tore the clothes from my body, <laughs> Andy Dufresne style. I jumped in the shower to wash the, like, 30 hours of airplane and airport off of me, and then I just slept. I just slept for as long as I could, and it totally broke me, but it didn't matter because, my God, that was the best sleep I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so what what is, I mean... Not to go too off uh, video gamey,
0: but but you obviously probably haven't played too many, but what is, what is China like? Like what is, does China care? No, no, it does not.
1: <laughs> not even a little bit. It, the, the, China don't care, I discovered, is not just a, a fun jokey thing. China don't care is an ethos. Okay. It is, it is a guiding principle of the, of, of a culture, or at least, you know, the culture I encountered while in Shanghai and various surrounding areas. Um... It was you know, it, it was a really crazy, surreal trip for a lot of different reasons. Um just I mean, the the, the craziest shit happened right up front okay. because I mean, just to be totally upfront with why I was there, why we were going, my girlfriend's mother passed away uh early in December. My condolences. And so she uh the timing could not have been crazier because we had to try and book a trip to Shanghai during the holidays, like two weeks before we were actually going to fly out there, and there were not many flights left. So we we took what we could. Um, but when we got there, we had to go to the funeral literally the day after we flew in. Oh so, man! And it was in not in Shanghai. It was in this this tiny town, or you know, tiny relative to say the, you know, few million people who live in Shanghai, uh, called Ningbo, which is like two hours outside of the city. Okay. So we had to meet up with, with my girlfriend's father who lives in Hong Kong and her cousin, uh, who lives in Shanghai. We all got on a train, took two hour train out to Ningbo, uh, got there, got in a cab, cab driver had no idea where the, the burial plot or the, 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 any of that stuff was, uh, so her father decided that we should get out on the side of the road in the middle of absolutely fucking nowhere. Uh, while he calls this cousin to come pick us up, take us to this place mm-hmm. to do the funeral thing. We wait. were waiting on the side of the road with like just, you know, like maybe three cars total drove by the entire time. And we were out on this like giant like nine lane road. Uh, eventually he shows up, drives us over there. We get there, and we find out we cannot actually do the funeral ceremony uh, because it is too late in the day. Oh, my God. Local tradition uh, apparently dictated that uh, burials or, you know, any sort of uh, funeral procession must take place, I guess, very early in the morning there. Wow. Uh, and no one uh, communicated that to anyone that, you know, from our, our cadre of people. So so the funeral, funeral was thing- canceled? Not, not exactly. It was never. It was a very small ceremony okay. to begin with. Like right. it was, it was meant to be a very small, intimate thing. Like sure. a couple of uh, her mother's friends and like us, and that was pretty much it. Okay, all right. Um, you know, so we, it was not like a big uh to do, but at the same time, there was no communication whatsoever about what oh, was actually man. supposed to take place during this. Oh man! So we get there. There's a lot of Chinese arguing that I don't understand. <laughs> uh,
0: Just imagining they, you. Specifically, you. I don't know what it is about you in China and a bunch of people just arguing around you. That is just that's just that's just
1: funny right up front. I didn't get acknowledged very much during <laughs> any of this, which I I totally understand why because I mean no one there spoke English. Uh, you know, once you in Shanghai, there's a good chance someone will understand a few of the English words you're saying outside. Once you get outside the city, there's no chance. Right. So you just don't even try. Um. When I did get acknowledged, it was usually with a look that just said, "How the fuck did you get here?" <laughs> it was always the same look of just like, "Hmm, how? Like where? Why? Where's Waldo? Where's Alex? Yeah, what am I doing there?" Um, so. You know, we got there. It, it, they they argued for a while, and they eventually decided they were going to do like uh, a sort of you know series of prayers, and then we would go up to where the burial plot is, uh-huh. so we could you know kind of sit there and make our peace. And then the next morning, they would do the official thing with the monk, and he would bury the ashes and all that stuff. And uh, we did not have to stay for that. But the series of events leading up to this, I I don't <laughs> it, it it was all very weird because you know. It, we, we didn't get to go, like, say, to, to, to Ryan's funeral right. this past year. And that was something that was a point of contention for a lot of us. And that was something that I was always kind of lamenting about. Like, I didn't get to go to that. I didn't get to have that closure with people. Watching this unfold <laughs> where, like, you her mother's f- friend, literally, like, like, like a light switch, the second they decided they were going to do the, the prayers and stuff, she just jumps, drops to the ground, starts wailing and sobbing. Oh, and man. then 60 seconds later, just turns it right off. I had no, like, watching these dudes just standing around smoking the whole time while, you know, they are going through these presumably religious processions and and, and situations made me kind of realize that, you know what, this is all, it doesn't, it this is not necessary you don't necessarily get closure from things like this <laughs> unless you find ways on your own to find that closure. So I sat there the whole time just kind of sitting there thinking about the absurdity of all and just going, you know what, this, I-, I am witnessing an amazing thing here. I should just appreciate it for what it is, and that is that. Like, my girlfriend the whole time is just like, I don't even know what's happening. I don't know what's going okay, on Okay, at, at
0: least at least you're not on your own there in sort of no. the reaction uh, stuff. Man, that is, that's an, that's an intense first 24 hours to a trip. Like, did you... Did you get to enjoy the trip at all? Because you were there for a week, so you must have had at least some time to, like, like I don't, I don't, to enjoy China.
1: Yeah, I mean, once they they took us to the empty Ningbo bus station, which we waited around for a while to take us back to the train station to take us back home. Uh, the rest of the trip was genuinely very interesting. Uh, sometimes kind of crazy and absurd, but for the most part, like us spending time with my girlfriend's family, them taking us to like genuinely like spectacular restaurants, like you know, just actually doing things in the city, mostly with her family, occasionally on her own, um, and it was pretty awesome. Like Shanghai is is genuinely a a pretty rad city. It's bizarre in the sense that there is almost nothing old left there. Uh, the majority of the the older buildings have either been revamped for. Uh, you know, modern stores and shops and what have you, or they've just been bulldozed entirely. Uh, so it's this weird thing where the one kind of old thing I got to see was her grandmother's house, which is one of the last remaining apartment buildings in Shanghai from, like, the late 1940s when it was built, and it's been designated like a historical zone, so they can't, you know, bull- like bulldoze it over and turn it into condos. Uh but the rest of the time, you know, you're just kind of going around all these different like shopping malls and you know huge like modern structures and stuff. Like you know, it, it, what is there that is still old is not particularly well taken care of, save for a few like specific historical landmarks. So it's a very strange place to kind of go around and take a look at compared to like you know other major cities that you know obviously tend to you know treat their their historical elements as like big tourist destination type deals. But did you have to deal yeah. with? Did you
0: have to deal with the smog?
1: It wasn't that bad while I was there. There were like two days when it was genuinely like you could taste it. Is, it was really bad.
0: Say, Is that just reflective of how dark your heart already is? And so the smog that's, just couldn't penetrate it?
1: That's probably part of it, at least. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you about the, two, two of the, the 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 funnier, more bizarre things that I did on the trip. Okay, please. Uh, th- these are like the only two things we really kind of did on our own, too, like away from family and All everything. Right. Uh, the first thing we did one night was go to this place called Mr. X. Uh, Mr. X is a, you know how you go to a place like, say, like a laser tag place or something like that where, you know, you and a bunch of people kind of get thrown into a room and you run around and play whatever, yeah. you know, dumb game they've set up for you. Okay. This is like that. If, you, if instead of laser tag, it was like, like a very non-bloody saw, um, they have set up these different rooms, these different areas, mm-hmm. uh, and each area is, you know, like a locked room that you have to find your way out of.
0: Oh, okay. And All right. These the, these you- are just start. There there is one actually of these. Uh, they're called escape rooms, right? Yes. Yeah. So th- this is people might have heard of these because they're just starting to kind of come out. The, the companies that organize them in Asia, they started I think in Japan, have just started to bring them. There's one in San Francisco. Um, yeah. And I think there might be one in New York, or at least there was one in New York. So anyway, people might know them as escape rooms. But continue. Yeah.
1: So it's the, it's it's that idea, and so you know you're you're locked in this room. You have only these very uh, vague, mm, you know, visual clues to to kind of start you off. We ended up in a uh, a two team room uh, where it was my girlfriend and I in one room, and this uh, college girl and like her little niece and two you know nephews in the other room. Uh, the kids of which spoke better English than, than the college students. So they were actually yelling things back at us, like, are you okay? <laughs> Did you find it? And, uh, you know, so for like half an hour, we're like fumbling around this room, the two of us like trying to find the first key or whatever. Then we finally get the first piece. Like we had to like throw a rope out for them to tie a key to, to give back to us in our room. Oh, wow. That's really uh, cool. Opened uh, a hidden passage underneath the sink, which then led to another room behind it. That had uh, like a pulley and like a hook that you could use that would actually pull back the wall and reveal this whole other thing. And then there was like a weird trap passage, and there was like a cage door with a bunch of TV monitors and like a lockbox. It was really elaborate. I was surprised. They only give you about an hour to get out of the space, so we did not end up getting out of the space in that time due to language barrier and other things, mm-hmm. but there were, like, it was really insane, like, the, the amount of detail they put into the different rooms and the things you could actually, like, physically do to, to to manipulate the rooms and stuff. Like, that's the sort of thing that you would have to sign a lot of waivers in the U.S. to, to, to be able to operate a business like that. I think in China it's probably not such a big deal. But <laughs> there were, like, I mean, these like big heavy metal objects were using to, like, pry open things and, you know, turn, like, we're moving entire false walls and it's, like... It was really crazy. I was I, I I you say it's there's one of those in New York. I had never heard of those in the US anywhere up to that point. That was my first experience with anything like it
0: that. It might just be San Francisco. It might just be San Francisco, which would make sense that something like that would debut in in San Francisco. But um Yeah, I haven't I haven't done it. I had I meant to do it before I left. Um but it's proven pretty popular, so my guess is it'll it'll kind of spread around. But I don't think you have to do I don't think you do anything with heavy objects in yeah. the I haven't read anything about the one in San Francisco, assuming that I might do it someday and I don't want it spoiled for me. But, you know, I think, you know, there there are, you know, moments where like, you know, you're, you know, there are trap doors found underneath, you know, furniture and things like that. But uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's as elaborate uh, or as <laughs> mildly dangerous as uh, the one that you actually encountered.
1: Yeah. It, it, it was, sounds really cool I mean, though. Yeah, the danger level was definitely pretty low. It was just like you would pro- you might accidentally drop a wrench on your hand or your foot. It's or just a little more you
0: know I mean? than where you know in the US, we're, you know, yeah, you know, a little more safe around the edges than than say uh where you might be used to abroad.
1: It definitely had a real I mean, I was surprised at how elaborate the rooms were. I feel like if we knew we got someone we knew who was a really good like puzzle game designer to 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 design something like this like you and I, we could probably make a few million dollars. You know, we could make a lot of money doing this. We want to, you know, we got some friends. We should probably, you know, exploit That's true, this yeah, somehow. yeah.
0: Get Alexander Bruce to uh, design an escape room.
1: Yeah, dude, that'd be awesome. You wouldn't escape
0: it. You'd have to take, like, an LSD tablet to make it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I really liked it. I thought that was super fun. I I would love to see someone in the U.S. try something that elaborate and crazy, uh, especially someone with some some real game design skills. Because the rooms we were in, like the the, the solutions were a little bit uh, not 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 not. It took some real effort to to get past the opening uh, jump points to like start opening things up and getting through there. And you kind of have to yell and wave your arms at a camera to get any hints or any sort of help with that stuff. So mm-hmm. it was not. It was it was a little a little obtuse in places, but I, I really like the idea of it. The other thing we did, uh, which I don't know why we decided we were going to do this, I'm not. Uh... So we went to well, a, a I like, place I called I Cheng.
0: I really like the fact that you're sighing before you tell this story. That's yeah, it's the, it, it's,
1: it's the it's it's the strangest thing. So we went to this place called Chengzhu, which is about an hour outside Shanghai. Uh, as far as I can tell, the town's primary uh, industry is theme parks. Uh, There are a lot of theme parks in the surrounding area around Chengzhou, and the one we chose to go to was a place called World Joyland. The reason we went to World Joyland is because it is a massive, something like 68,000 square foot uh, theme park, that is almost exclusively predicated on the notion of copyright violations. (laughs) Uh, Specifically, uh, copyright violations of Activision Blizzard trademarks. Uh, Mostly World of Warcraft and Starcraft. Uh, So if you look this place up on the internet, uh, I'll I'll, I'll link to a a photo album my girlfriend did uh, of of the, the place when we were there. Uh, World Joyland, basically, like, it's not themed exactly on anything related to World of Warcraft or StarCraft. It just lifts a bunch of art and, like, design assets from those games and then repurposes them as displays within the park alongside a bunch of other weird, like, cartoon stuff. Uh, The main mascot of the place is the angry dog, which you might be, maybe surprisingly looks a little bit like an angry bird. I don't know. So, yeah. I I was wondering. Okay. All right was wondering where yeah. you're going with it. It's um, it is a strange, bewildering place that is humongous, and somehow, not through any effort of our own, we ended up on a day where they were only running at half staff, and there were maybe sixty people total in the park.
0: It, but like, how how big is this park relative to you know like a Great America or something like that that people might comparable. So if it's, not it's,
1: larger, in some respects. So it's
0: big, and it's empty. It is a
1: big fucking place, and there are, you know, there's, like, a giant, you know, uh, one of those 360, you know, like, uh, movie-type things where, you know, you're on one of those, like, moving chairs while it's, like, you're zooming through all this different, you know, amazing scenery that's also kind of out of focus, but no one told anyone about that, so <laughs> that, that, that was pretty bad. Yeah there are rides like there's you know there's a space mountain equivalent there are roller coasters nobody was going on them even though they were open so you uh, could if you
0: wanted to go on these roller coasters you could be like hey i want to go on the back like you could yeah, you could there, man that sounds like a dream there was, i also just don't there was trust no the, one there but i just don't trust i don't know if i trust the safety regulations on that
1: stuff nor should you. Uh, it, the rides, I mean, all looked pretty new and in good condition, and they were still building, you know, large chunks of the park out. I mean, there was a whole theater that we didn't even go to that just said eSports Exhibition, which I would have loved to have gone to, but it was closed. Oh, so I, man, I that's, that's a bummer. But, yeah, it was the weirdest experience, because on top of, like, again, huge, uh, giant sections of the park literally just taking art from video games that I recognize and, you know not selling merchandise based on that, which I assume is how they get around that, Uh, there was, again, no one there. So they were running, like, their stage shows for, like, four people standing around, kind of half paying attention while they do, like, these, you know, weapons acrobatic shows for nobody. Uh, And I don't think the park is always like that. Like, I got the impression this was just a particularly off day. But... You know, you've seen all these things about how China is like in rapid development and there are like, you know, large towns that are basically being constructed out of no actual demand to speak of at this moment, like tons of, you know, apartment towers being built that are just like empty right now and being walking through this just humongous (laughs) millions and millions of dollars investment with nobody there to in any way appreciate any aspect of its just straight up jankiness uh was maybe the weirdest thing that happened to me outside of of the whole funeral situation while I was there like it was just the strangest thing
0: that's that's weird i'm looking at some some folks in the chat uh linked to a uh, a gallery of photos uh from it and uh like even the statues aren't even that great like no. they're really half-assed statues uh to boost yeah uh, yeah,
1: it's it's a, a lot of it's really half-assed, which is why I didn't really go on any of the major rides cuz I kind of didn't trust it. But like
0: what a what a worthwhile place to have gone to to see and to do and to say you've been there though. I mean, it reminds like the story starts out promising cuz it reminds me of, you know, I feel like a lot of kids in high school had this experience of like you have the high school physics class that goes to Great America during the day and you have to take we had to take a test at the end of it, you know, and run like physics experiments. You know, like, gravity yeah. and stuff during the—but you got to go to Great America, like, on a Tuesday at 10 a.m., and there was nobody there, which means you get your run of the park all day long, and it was awesome. Um, yeah. But uh, this sounds this sounds slightly terrifying. This is, like, the
1: opposite of that, where it's, <laughs> like, you get to go—and, yeah, I could go do all that stuff, but, man, I really didn't want to— uh, and it wasn't like super expensive to get in either. It was like, you know, thirty-five dollars or something for a ticket, uh like actual American money. Right. And you know, it was worth it just to just to go the hell out there and see this absurd just this just absolutely pointless endeavor. Uh, you know, this this giant amusement park that nobody seemed to be particularly enjoying. Uh I'm sure there are families that go there and have fun, you know, <laughs> when there's more people around, I guess, but Seeing everyone there, just who was there, just seeing kind of seeming kind of indifferent to the whole thing, and you know even the kids kind of walking around going, "Why is no one here? What's happening?" was pretty amazing.
0: Man, well that's that is a whirlwind trip. That is yeah. That is uh, I can't think of many reasons to want to go to China. Uh, so you need a reason. The fact you need a good reason. The fact that that you actually you know got a chance to sort of like mark that off of a. Not really a bucket list, but now it is on there, and you get to checkbox it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I might end up there again someday, but uh, probably not for for the foreseeable future. Right. But honestly, like most of the time I spent in Shanghai, I really liked it. It's 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 a cool city. There's a surprising, you know, there's a lot to do there. Uh, there's you know, it's it's fascinating to watch. It just like kind of develop itself culturally because i mean there's still a lot of weird conflict there you know people still protesting the amount of insane development going on uh as much as they can well and like, uh, we through- con-
0: consoles just got approved uh to be sold uh in china yeah. which is uh, a potentially huge development uh in terms of uh the expansion of the the now current gen which is i'm still. I feel like it's going to take me uh, as long to switch to saying "current gen" instead of "next gen" as it is going to, <laughs> or longer than it's going to take me to remember to write "2014" instead of "2013," uh, because it's been so long that we've been talking about it. But that's it. That's a huge development over there, and I, I, in some ways, wonder if the reason that Blizzard doesn't, or I guess Activision Blizzard doesn't care about that theme park, is because uh, if you listen to Activision investment calls, you know, one of the first things they're always asking about is. What are you doing to make further inroads in China? And so, you know, probably not at the top of their concerns is pestering the Chinese government to clamp down on copyright concerns with this theme park when they're more interested in getting their games uh, sold uh, over there. Because uh, in Asia, there are uh, there are often restrictions on how long people can play MMOs and, and, and things of that nature uh, that have made it more difficult for uh, some of those games to, to kind of make inroads there.
1: Now I'm not gonna say it was all me, but I'm just you know, mm-hmm. while I'm in China, suddenly consoles are allowed. You know, I maybe had a little conversation with the Ministry of Culture. Are you the we Dennis about the Dennis things. Rodman of China? Uh of uh, video games in China. Yes, that, that is that I'm gonna play claim to that right now. Uh, I don't have any good drunken rants, unfortunately, prepared <laughs> for this. So, but uh
0: ah. Uh, well, that's great. Did you they, did you did you play any games while you were on like these big flights or? not really read? i watched you a lot of movies mostly movies? Okay. Uh, i played
1: some more zelda uh i bought my uh my girlfriend a 3ds xl finally for christmas so uh, we, we traded that back and forth a little bit uh and i played some more zelda but other than that no i mostly just stayed away from video games and just tried to kind of soak in as much of you know what was around me while i was there as i could uh and i'm glad i did that because i you know i'm definitely one of those people that can kind of you know bury my face on my phone uh, wherever i end up going and kind of end up missing things while while i'm there, I think having to sort of, you know, kind of uh, engage my girlfriend's family and sort of, you know, try to make an impression and, you know, actually uh, pay attention to what was going on <laughs> while I was right. there helped a lot. Uh, but because it was, because honestly, I had a great time. I really, I really liked Shanghai a lot. And you know, I mean, someone mentioned in the chat to, to your point, there are reasons to go to China. They have things that you can go see there. There is a culture there. That oh, is sure. No, no I did not
0: mean to disparage China yeah. as much as that as a reflection of the fact that. I I have not been to a whole lot of worldly places, and it's just not yeah. in my personal you know top ten. You know, I'd, I'd much rather you know I've really never been to Europe, so you know I'd kind of yeah. <laughs> I think and I would think, I that think going like to Paris Beijing is, would be yeah the first go, place you would go. Yeah, I think going to Paris is probably an easier sell uh, to my wife yeah. uh, in terms of uh, spending money on a vacation. So uh, yeah, like I would like to see China eventually, but. I also don't think like it's going anywhere and it will probably only get further developed and more appealing as time goes on. Uh, so the one, uh, the one thing I will say, it is
1: really crazy how westernized uh, even places like mainland China are becoming because like I've been to Hong Kong before, but that was a colony, you know, for or, or, you know, a British property for many, many years. So like the fact that you go there and there's like signs in English and everyone speaks a little English is uh, not terribly surprising.
0: Is it like but even is it like Tokyo where or, you know, a lot of, you know, highly metropolitan uh, areas of, of Japan where like Western culture is very hip. And thus that's you get the sense that that's a lot of the reason uh, that, you know, you can speak English and kind of get away with it or at least, you know, some broken English and get away with it.
1: I didn't get the impression it was really a, a hip thing so much as it was the Chinese government really wanting its people to master uh, as much of Western culture as they can so they can uh, dominate. And <laughs> uh, but I mean, honestly, like the last time my girlfriend was in Shanghai was six years ago. Since then, they have added, like, a huge swath of of subway trains. They have revamped a lot of the, the, the public transportation stuff there. And it, a lot of it isn't, like, straight up, they say it in Mandarin, and then they say it in English. The, like, all the signs are in English. Mm-hmm. Like, all the major, like, city-run government stuff has stuff in English, which you wouldn't think would be really necessary, because I'm going to be honest— outside of Shanghai I was the only white dude I ever saw in Shanghai I saw maybe a couple dozen walking around at various times who I always just assumed were there you know looking for wives or whatever but like I I there there's really not a ton of expats there there are some but uh it's 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 a very small chunk of people so you wouldn't it's surprising that there is as much of the city dedicated to you the dumb white guy actually being able to understand things as it is Mm. uh i did not expect that in in the slightest going into that
0: Did you other like in restaurants like you know in japan especially like in tokyo you, you know you get like uh menus and on like the front it's japanese and then you flip it over and it's english because that's how many english people are coming through that city um and also because it's it's hip in in japan or at least you know centralized parts of japan uh d- did they have the equivalent there in in china or is it you just kind of have to like what is what is this
1: it really depends on the place okay. uh you know like the 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 more upscale you know money heavy restaurants definitely will will lean toward that uh the more hole in the wall places usually you're just pointing at a picture and just going that <laughs> uh and that's how <laughs> that's you. Not up, you dog, know, like, right? that's not dog right Like not dog and honestly i never ran into that i i never even saw a dog on a menu the entire time i was there i asked and i was like is this is any of this like dog or cat or anything and they're like no <laughs> no no not, none of that uh did you eat and, any weird but, food? i mean no, nothing too crazy. I ate frog a couple of times. Uh, I ate a few fish with the, the head on, but I'm like super used to that at this point. Okay. Um, but no, they're not, li- not was... live
0: fish. They were just dead fish with the head on.
1: The only really weird eating experience I had there was when we were in Ningbo. Uh, they decided during, in between the prayers and the actual walking up to the, uh, the burial plot, they decided that uh, we were going to go have lunch. Mm-hmm. And the we were far enough outside of the main city that uh, to find a restaurant in that area, you basically are going to someone's house uh, that is ostensibly a restaurant, but really is just a room with some t- a couple of tables that has no heat whatsoever. Uh, and you go into the kitchen and just point the things you want them to make for you uh whatever the ingredients might be you know so they have some seafood if they have some poultry if they have you know a bunch of fresh vegetables which they did they were like growing it literally in the backyard of that restaurant Hmm. uh so that was that was strange just in the the way that you know i was not accustomed to ordering food that way but honestly i i ate maybe one not great meal the entire time i was there and that was just at some like you know kind of crummy family restaurant in suburban shanghai like the rest of the time i ate Insanely well, and I could not have been more pleasantly surprised by that fact. Like the food, top to bottom, was pretty much spectacular.
0: Man, well, you know, obviously not the uh, most pleasant reason to go on a trip like that, um, but it sounds it sounds like you know, outside of that, you, it sounds like that yeah. was actually a sounds like a pretty good trip.
1: Yeah, other than you know a few kind of dark, darkly, I'm not going to say comic, but certainly strange moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a really crazy. I, again, I'm, I'm reluctant to say fun because of the reason we were going there, but I definitely I get, I get was able to mean. enjoy. I get yeah, I was mean. able to enjoy and appreciate uh, the, the the time I spent there. So, but at the same time, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad the show's back. I'm glad I'm just back into the routine. It's it's nice to be back.
0: Um, while you were gone, I got really into Spelunky and Dark Souls.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I noticed you're doing a lot of that I went, now. I went down. I went going? down
0: into my own my own dark place. Uh, I'm playing Splunky every day. I'm playing Dark Souls at night. Uh, it's actually been super, super great. I I decided to take, you know, we're about to starting this week get into game releases like that. It's actually this week is the Banner Saga, which is a right. uh, kickstarted um strategy game that looks pretty spectacular. Um, has music done by Austin Wintery, who did the music to Journey, um, and uh, Nidhogg, which is another one of the uh, Nidhug is a famous game in the indie community because it's been around and showing up at places for years uh, with no indication of when it would come out and then it was just magically announced a couple of weeks ago and uh, comes out today um, hmm. I cashed in a code but I have not checked it out yet but it does have online play so that may be something that, uh, that you and I have to, to check out um, separate from uh, the guys in San Francisco doing, doing their own stuff because it's supposed to be incredible um, i am into this uh it's a one-on-one sword fighting game for people who Ooh. are not aware um but yeah I, i've gotten really into uh, it looks like i'm about halfway through dark souls when i looked at a fact okay. um how, how
1: are you finding it how, how is it how is it generally revenue man
0: it's i the difficulty is is exaggerated and overrated um i'm not not saying it is an easy game at all like mm-hmm. i'm not trying to take away from a lot of the mystique of that game but also it is a I, challenging game, but I also mean to take away from the mystique of that game in that I think it is uh, the the myth the mythology of Dark Souls presents that game as an insurmountable gaming challenge when when it's really just it's a very specific type of game that harkens back to a very specific time and game design uh, that it feels fresh now because it's just not around anymore. Uh, but it's a game that and playing it alongside Splunky uh, has been extremely rewarding because. Uh, they are they kind of pluck from the same source in, in that uh, the way the games uh, respect the player's patience and understanding of the mechanics and the design. Like, everything that happens in Splunky is black and white. It happens for a reason. When the player dies, it's your own fault. Uh, and that's the same in Dark Souls. So, it's been rewarding to play both of them side by side because... Uh, it's sort of my the the own patience that I have in one game is being rewarded in the other game uh, as well, um, and it's not to say either game is easy because they absolutely are not, um, but they're very interesting games, and they've it's been satisfying to sort of have the mystique around them kind of brought down a little bit, and and sort of just understand them as as games as opposed to a thing that other people talk about. Um,
1: People in the chat are saying that you're only a third of the way through. Patrick, are you bullshitting me? Well, is I guess it, it's, it's
0: hard to say, right? Like parts of the game are optional. Um, it depends if they're including the DLC. Um, sure. So either way, I'm a significant chunk through the game um, that I'm 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 pretty happy about. Um, but yeah, yes, yeah, it's mentions 25% if you're playing the DLC because the DLC adds about 25% to the game. So we'll, I've I heard the DLC is really good. I I couldn't tell if Vinny was being sarcastic, saying, like, you really need to check it out. It's my favorite part of the game, uh, which makes makes it sound like he's just being an asshole uh, and that I don't need to check that out, but I probably will. If I'm only going to play this game once, uh, I might as well see as much of it as I can. But uh, it's also helped that, you know, I'm playing this game, and I've been very careful uh, to not look up as much as I can, but I'm also not taking that as a hardline stance. Like I, I've been, mm-hmm. I've been streaming when I play the, the boss battles on my personal YouTube channel, uh, which has been uh, enjoyable because when I get really frustrated, when I feel like I want to turn the game off, you know, there are people in the chat kind of giving me at least a tip. on like, Hey, maybe you want to try this strategy or maybe you want to do this. Um, so it's been nice because I've been able to figure things out for myself, but then when I want to also run into walls. Uh, I've been able to uh, sort of, you know, kind of get some hints from folks that have already uh, played the game at the same time. Uh, Dark Souls players are the most backseat uh, players and fans of a game I have ever experienced because if I showed you my email slash PM slash Tumblr stuff, it is just a list of do this, don't do this, and then another message that is completely contradictory to uh, what the last person told me. And people are so hardened in what they think is the right way to play that game, uh, which in some ways is humorous and then in other ways I think... Is reflective of incredibly flexible, good game design. If you sure. can have dozens and dozens of players that say this is the way to do it, and the next person says no, you don't have to do it that way. You can do it this way. Uh, that seems like that reflects a game that uh, kind of is flexible for the players that are playing it. So obviously, you know, this is a conversations people have had years ago. But I, I you know, whether I finished Dark Souls or not, and now I think I will because uh, I've gotten this far I can probably see my way to the end um it's been it's been really enjoyable and uh Spelunky is, Spelunky is you know equally fun for Splunky's uh, awesome Yeah yeah you know I, I got into it a little bit when it came out but I definitely uh, did not did not actually get into it you know now that I've played it for a significant, significant chunk of time the time that I put it into it the first time around didn't even count I I really did sure. not See anything that game truly had to offer, um, and and now I am. And man, it is a it's just a damn good game. And it's just it's very age traditional in terms of the games I enjoy because usually I play games that have a beginning, middle, and an end. And there are you know instances where Spelunky ends like there are credits right. that roll, but it's not really an end. It's just not like about that. it's more it's well, and it's also more you have to think about that as like you finished one way to to finish that game you know, there's hell. There are other ways to, to, to seek more parts of that game that uh, go beyond just defeating Olmec, who is the sort of main line first boss that you can encounter. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I've, I've gone down a deep rabbit hole. Uh, we'll see how long I can hold on to both of those now that other games are coming out. And I really do want to play the banner saga because it seems like I'm on a play one strategy game a year thing with XCOM and, and, uh, 2012, it was Fire Emblem in 2013, and it might be Banner Saga in 2014. Uh, so uh, we'll see how long I can hold on to both of those games. But uh, I am I'm buoyed by the fact that uh, my wife has gone for significant chunks of this month on work trips, mm. so I'm able to spend my evenings uh, playing uh, playing those games. But yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been dark. These these games don't make you feel good. But they also no, make you. No, they're feel, not intended to. But they also make you feel really good when you pull off really crazy things. So it's a. Uh, sure. There are games of highs and lows, extreme highs and extreme lows. So.
1: Yeah, I saw you uh, buy all, spend all that money and then just go jump on spikes. That was that was pretty spectacular. That was one of the. I I haven't gotten to watch much of your stuff live, but I did manage to catch that one. That was a that was a good moment.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to. Um, I'm in the process of now that uh, the weather has thawed, in Chicago a bit. While you were gone, it was ridiculously cold. The, oh, I the, the heard. Midwest was uh, in, uh, you know, it got to with wind chill uh, below 30, below 40 uh, for a couple of days where it was just dangerous to go outside where if you were outside yeah. for more than uh, five minutes, you could legitimately get frostbite. So I, I kind of was staying inside even though after the Christmas break, I was trying to transition to going into the Cards Against Humanity office. Um, so I'm trying to figure out a way to start doing my Spelunky runs from... Uh, their office but it requires me investing in some equipment to make that happen uh, there's a PlayStation mm. 3 at their office uh, which also has the daily challenges challenges uh, that are in the PC version uh, the seeding of those daily challenges which is to say the randomly generated level is different in the different versions of the game um, but I would like to do it from there but it requires me at the I got this this company called avermedia. Made this extreme cap U3, which is a uh, sort of capture box, but it only and they were they just one just showed up at my doorstep and but it only runs on USB 3.0, which is not in my MacBook Air, which means mm. I can't use it on my MacBook Air, which is what I would bring to the Cards Against Humanity office. So I think I might need to investigate purchasing an Elgato, uh, which runs on USB 2.0, uh, and then I could do that uh, remotely. And then I also need to install Windows on my laptop, and yeah. There's some stuff I got a lot to do. do. Yeah, but I would like to get in that place uh, because Max Temkin is uh, also a Spelunky fiend and uh, Greg Woland, who is a artist and designer, uh, works out of that office. And he's also a Spelunky fiend. So it'd be nice to have some other people to mock me uh, when I do that. Uh, But uh, hopefully that'll happen this week. I think what I might do in the meantime is that I might push up when I do my Spelunky runs. I've been doing them at 1 p.m. But I think mm-hmm. I might move that up to 11 and then have those videos mm-hmm. export to my Dropbox so that by the time I get to the office, uh, I could uh, archive those uh, remotely and I could, uh, I could get both those done here while I get that set up in, uh, in the office. But as people point out in the chat, uh, I won't get to compete with Chris Remo, which has been sort of my – I've been using that as my metric when things go wrong is as long as I beat Chris Remo – Today was a success. Hashtag BeatRemo,
1: beat Remo. that's amazing. I uh, I probably should uh, I probably shouldn't actually start picking up and playing that game again. I, I got you know I was hot into Spelunky for uh, several months after that thing came out on on PC or whatever originally or Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never gotten into the daily challenges really. I have never gotten super into like continued competitive Spelunky play over the time, even though I knew that stuff was, you know, something people would get into. It just, for me, it never clicked exactly. I don't know why that is. Like, I, I really like that game a lot. I, I remember enjoying it immensely when I was reviewing it, but it, then I fell off of it, and I just never wanted to get back on that horse again, and I'm not sure what's actually stopping me from doing that. I,
0: I think right now, Alex, is the, the perfect time. Uh, a lot of Giant Bomb fans are playing. I'm playing. We're beating Chris Remo. Uh, now is the perfect time, because the JLA Challenge is, you know, at most, you know, a half hour of your time if you have a particularly good run, but otherwise it's usually yeah. about three minutes of your time, that's a fair point.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's definitely not a time suck issue because I mean, I can, I, 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 will, I will not pass many of those challenges, if any. Uh, I, I never beat that game. I have never gotten through to the end of that game. I don't know if I ever will. Uh, that was never really the point for me. The point was just, you know, just a me- a test of your mettle to see how far you can get, to see what you can actually accomplish. No matter how many times that game tries to fuck you, and that game will try to fuck you. Man.
0: Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's it's been rough, but you know, again, like Dark Souls, it is a game that you need to be very like when you die it's it's very easy to just hit uh the quick restart button and just jump right into another one but it's really important that when you die you try and break down exactly why you died like for example uh the one the, the death you alluded to um the last daily challenge where i jumped into spikes you know what i needed to take away from that was i mean it was just a dumb move and sometimes those happen sometimes you just make mistakes but what i was really doing was i like a lot of players overly rely on the run button because i've gotten very used to the uh the dangers in the mines in the first area and so i run a lot and knowing that i can kind of avoid most things with relative ease because i just kind of have them the strategy of the mines down but that leads to me making way too many dumb mistakes uh like jumping on those spikes where had I just walked through uh, and encountered the spikes, made a proper jump or walked through the spikes and jumped up, I would have had absolutely no problem. Um, And so, you know, the reflection on that death is, yes, it was just a dumb mistake, but no, hey dummy, stop running so much because it's not actually useful. Like running is only something that you should be using in the most extreme of circumstances uh, or in a situation where, hey, I'm going to run through this so I can avoid this trap. Um, if you're just running because you're tired of getting through certain areas of a Spelunky over and over again, it's probably time to put the controller down because you're not right. actually encouraging yourself to go on a, a useful run. So
1: Yeah. And I have a serious temper problem too, so <laughs> especially when it comes to, to uh, games that are a little more um, enervating uh, in their, their difficulty. So, yeah, I think that's really the biggest obstacle for me is just being willing to say, all right, well, I did something dumb. I can either play again or just play again tomorrow instead of just slamming a controller into my desk over and over again and, you know, holding back muffled just just shrieks of rage. You know, like, I, I, need, to, I need to let that go.
0: And that's why the daily challenge is really useful because, uh, and I've heard this strategy echoed from some other uh, players that are deep into Splunky, is that oftentimes you don't want to do more than one run a day. Uh, because you, mm-hmm. what you start to do is you starting to get into bad habits on subsequent runs, which are just to, you're getting frustrated. Uh, so right. you start rushing through things. You start trying like you're getting greedy because you got to the caves and you don't, you you know you you have to earn your way back there again because you if you use the shortcuts, the shortcuts are only really useful to learn enemy patterns. You want the items right. you're going to earn in the earlier worlds, and uh, so if you only do it once a day you're probably not going to fall into those habits. So if you just kind of stick to the daily challenge, you know, you might, uh, you might have a better, a better shot at having uh, a superior run. So
1: I will keep this in mind. I, you know, I have it downloaded to my Vita. I have it, I have it on like three different fucking platforms at this point. So there's no reason why the Vita
0: version is the best version of that game. Uh, it has the, the D pad on the Vita is fantastic. Um, I use the analog stick on the PC and 360 versions because, I don't like the D-pad on my, my 360 pad. No. I don't have the silver upgraded Xbox controller. Um, so anyway, yeah. uh, that's what I've been playing, but I am looking forward to playing Nidhogg and which Nidhogg sounds like a racial slur. I'd feel uncomfortable it does a little bit. every time I say it and, uh, Banner Saga, uh, which, uh, I'm also looking forward to playing. So hopefully, uh, I'll get some time to, to spend with both of those, uh, later this week. um, because we, we also
1: understand that um Broken Age episode one is going to be available for backers, for backers. this week.
0: Yeah, I imagine that will hit early access before the end of the month on Steam, uh, which is the plan for that. But backers get that early. So, right. Um, and we, yeah, we'll have a, a regular show again on Friday and then hopefully mm-hmm. a return to guests next Monday because uh, Monday is usually when we have uh, the guests. But we, we flipped it uh, because you were still recovering uh, on Friday. Um, and I'm in mean, the beginning process of reaching out to folks uh cool. Zoe Quinn of Depression Quest has already agreed to come on uh, on a certain Rad. week uh so if folks have people that they'd like to suggest uh feel free to to give me a shout uh and we'll we'll start reaching out to people um if you have questions jump in throw them in the chat uh and I will pluck a few as we wind down the show hasn't been a whole lot of news uh but there have been a There's couple a couple of things, couple of things. Uh, you mentioned broken age uh, yeah. Got a release date uh, for, for backers, which is tomorrow. Uh, State of Decay's developer, Undead Labs, signed a multi-year uh, multi-title agreement uh, with Microsoft Studios. Um, if people will are aware of the development history of, of, of State of Decay, originally that developer was going to create an MMO uh, mm-hmm. with a zombie theme. Scrap that because it was too much for the studio up front. Um, but it has always sort of been the plan that they're going to make that afterwards. Um don't know if that's still the plan, but uh, people seem to really like State of Decay, uh, so that seems like a good signing uh, for Microsoft.
1: Yeah, I, I have not actually managed to ever get into State of Decay, but uh, everyone I know who has liked it has liked it a lot. So I'm, you know, I'm hopeful those guys have, you know, I, I remember what their original vision was. I remember when that studio got announced and they were talking about crazy zombie MMO stuff. And it all sounded like one of those things that was just never, ever going to come out. So I'm kind of glad they were able to, you know, sort of pivot and, you know, keep the studio going with, you know, a good solid first project that a lot of people seem to like. Because uh, I would actually like to play the game that they had originally envisioned. It sounded pretty cool at the time. Not And not just like, you know, like what DayZ is doing now uh, or Rust, I guess. But, you know, Rust without zombies. Yeah. Have you played
0: Rust at all? No. Apparently Brad played it on Unprofessional Fridays. Uh, uh-huh. And you run around naked in that game. Which, yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, I, you know, I, it didn't sound immediately appealing to me uh, when it was described as grief the game. I understand the appeal through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I've just been sort of vicariously living through others in terms of that game. Sean Elliott, a uh, former 1UP uh, slash Game for Windows slash Computer Gaming World editor who's at Irrational um, as a level designer, uh, he has been talking about his experiences on Twitter Um, and he's made that game sound... He is a notorious griefer, so the -hmm. fact that Sean Elliott is into that game is no big shock to me, Uh, so uh, if you're interested in sort of, like me, sort of living through others in that game, uh, I recommend following him uh, on Twitter. I think it's just at Sean Elliott. Um, No, I have not dived into that, but I do have State of Decay uh, installed on my machine. I would like to try it at some point, uh, but that requires free time, and right now, Spelunky and Dark Souls are kind of eating all of that up.
1: Decaying with scoops, the next hot live stream there you go. from Giant Bomb. There you go. Uh, so there is this SimCity offline mode nonsense that yeah. has appeared this morning. Uh, only I don't want to say six or seven months after anyone might have possibly cared. Uh, Maxis and EA are getting together and finally adding offline play to the game alongside uh, some... Uh, I guess somewhat restricted, but still allowed uh, mod support for the game. Which, I'm sitting here looking at this and going... So somebody just kind of took a look at financials and said, alright, well we need to find a way to try and make people play this game at least one more time before we just shutter the whole damn thing, so do this. Uh, Because that's the only reason I can imagine them actually going to the trouble of, you know, flipping the one switch they had to flip to actually make that game work offline. Uh, and you know, bothering to go back and basically re just write over their whole argument for that entire last year of why we couldn't do this game offline by just actually doing that. Uh, it, it doesn't make them look good, particularly even doing this now., uh, I don't, I don't think very many people are still playing that game, uh, from my understanding, like there are probably still some people playing that game, but not very many. So I don't really know who this is for exactly and I don't know that this is necessarily going to rekindle the kind of interest that EA would actually want for that game. And I don't I don't know what you think about it, but it seems all kind of pointless to me.
0: Yeah, it seems a little uh, too little, too late. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to look at it as a bad thing that it's happening, but yeah. when taken in context of the perception of that game, the way people look at EA as a company, um, and the fact that even in the little write up, it it doesn't really acknowledge a lot of the shit. and maybe that's the right thing to do. You know, like what's the point of acknowledging the you know, yeah. for lack of a better term, shitstorm from twenty thirteen yeah. and just sort of moving on and saying, you know, obviously there are some people playing the game or else they wouldn't be investing resources in this at all. So maybe, you know, it makes more sense to try and just, you know, make those players happy and realize you've lost you know, you've lost a lot of the mind share, but Maybe there are some folks that you can make happier um, as a result. So you know, again, like I said, hard to look at as a good thing or as a bad thing, rather. But you know, coming so much later is just—I don't know. It's the game's almost a year old. Yeah,
1: it's ten months since that game came out, and that now they are doing this. uh, It it just—I don't know. The whole thing just feels like a really strange, strangely timed move that does not necessarily benefit anyone. Uh, or at least in the sense that it does not benefit them in that. I don't think this is going to be the thing that can't, brings people running, screaming back to that game. Right. Uh, I don't think anything is going to do that at this point. Like they would have to make a whole new game that did not have that, those limited asses, patches of land and fucking, you know, just none of that online stuff from the get go, uh, to, to get people interested in that stuff again. I feel like. Oh Well, yeah. Well, Seems on
0: the plus side, Pizza Hut's Xbox 360 app made over a million dollars for the company in the first four months. Ah, good. Which is hilarious. I have not ordered a pizza through the Pizza Hut app, but I am tempted to just to say I did. And then also, there's a uh, Pizza Hut head of PR. uh, (laughs) Of course there is. Gave a comment to Polygon uh, where they said, uh, it's been a source of unbelievable growth for us. Just the explosion of people who wanted to download it, experiment it, play with Connect, uh, and you know what—that doesn't surprise me. If what drove a lot of that was people just for the novelty of it, uh, ordering a pizza through that. You know, I—I I know there was a similar, you know, probably not a million dollars, but when EverQuest Two added slash pizza in order to order a pizza through their chat room or you know sort of interface, uh, I definitely went pretty far down the road of almost ordering a pizza through that. And, uh, yeah, you can get gamers to do gimmicky things. That's not thats not it's a not big hard. shock. Um, no. Jazz Jazzpunk coming out February 7th. My birthday. Very much looking forward to that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Necrophone Games, for the, that's the awesome. wonderful birthday present. Uh, looking forward to playing that. People should look that up if they are not aware of the weirdness
1: of Jazz Punk. Oh, God. That trailer that I put up a while ago pretty much says it all. Check that out. Uh, I think that's kind of all I had for news, really. Uh, I will, I
0: will mention, yeah. uh, give a, a quick plug and a, uh, a an applause to the awesome games done quick, which topped a mm. million dollars, uh, in in the last twenty four hours. Uh, it might be actually forty eight hours at this point since the news came out. Uh, but they had a huge hundred thousand dollar surge at the very end of there. Uh, awesome games done quick was a uh, a week long. Uh, Twitch stream in which they were had a bunch of speedrunners uh, playing through games and breaking them and trying to break uh, their their high scores and it was really cool to watch. I watched a good chunk of the uh, uh, the Yoshi's Island one, which was incredible to watch someone play that uh, with a high level of play. It just requires such precision and you know the fact that uh, they raised a bunch of money for cancer research and uh, the giant bomb. Uh, community managed to raise enough money uh, to have uh, the robot in the game uh, named after Ryan, uh, which was a, a really, really cool moment. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I feel like I can't speak on it too long before it'll mess me up, but that was really cool of you guys to, to come together and do that. So, uh, totally. bravo. And they also got the ship named uh, Tupac, which is... Nice. Which was also from uh, the endurance run that uh, Ryan and I did. So, Good on you guys. Uh, that was a really cool uh thing to to see and hear over the weekend. Um Did you uh-huh. see
1: the guy playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out blindfolded?
0: No, no, I did not. Was he playing it based uh purely based on sound
1: effects? Yes. Yes. It was all uh, just remembered timing and sound effects and uh he got all the way to Mike Tyson before he lost. Man, that's uh, that's pretty
0: incredible. I also saw the uh they did something they had a, occasional mystery games, um, which yeah. is, were, were surprises for the audience. Um, and one of them was the mask for the uh, for mm. the SNES. And they had the lead designer of the game on there, and oh, it no was way. it was incredible to watch the designer react to his game get broken in all sorts of crazy ways that he was completely unaware of.
1: Crazy! I forgot that game even existed. I imagine a lot of people did. That that is pretty rad.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Uh, okay, people asked about SimCity. We already, I already got over that. Uh, development asks Patrick, why'd you get hit by the spikes? Screw you, you monster! I mean, it's a fair question. Yep, yep. Uh, people mentioning awesome games done quick. Uh, oh, people mentioning uh, that there is an escape room in Chicago. So, okay, uh, I have clicked the link for that, and I will, I will remember that for. Uh, Home Escape Adventures.
1: Hmm. Getting locked in best a room. Dacen, best
0: date night ever, says Rosie Roberts on the website. Ooh. That's a little creepy. Um, I don't know if I pronounced that. What do you guys think of Republic? I don't know. I haven't played it yet. I'm saving that game uh, for some sort of plane flight at some point yeah Uh, I have
1: that downloaded uh, next to a bunch of other iPad games that I've been meaning to play I did finally play some device six that game is cool yeah
0: you should see that all the way to the end the ending in that game is fantastic and I will
1: eventually I just I again I mostly excised any sort of video game playing from my schedule while I was mostly while I was traveling but also even when I came home just because I needed a little bit of a break but I did spend some time playing that and I really like that game that is that game is really cool yeah
0: yeah it's not too long either I'd say maybe three hours uh, ultimately yeah um, but it is a nice game to take a break from. You solve a puzzle, you know, or, or a section, and then you move on to yeah. the next one. Um, it's not really a game that you can jump back into mid-chapter because a lot of the puzzle solving is predicated on you starting at the beginning of that chapter and seeing it through. So you kind of uh, need to do those uh, all at once. Uh, Hippocrat Oaf asking: thoughts on PlayStation Now? I'm not sure if you saw the announcement from CES about that. Did you?
1: I did not. Okay,
0: PlayStation Now is basically the Gaikai stuff. Um, and they Oh, are... okay.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. Okay. Sorry. There's I, a... I was, for some reason, brain fart. But, yes, yeah, so I saw that whole thing.
0: Yeah, so if you aren't aware, they're rolling out a beta of PlayStation Now later this month uh, in North America. Um, and there will be uh, an official rollout in the summer. They have said that it may come much later to Europe due to bandwidth concerns, um, largely because... Uh, things are uh, a little more scattered, they're less mm-hmm. standardized in Europe. So th- there are some things they have to work out there before they can commit to rolling it out, uh, in, in Europe. But, uh, yeah, you know, PlayStation now theoretically sounds pretty cool, uh, it does, but it's hard to know or say much about it till we've had a chance to, uh, play with it in our own hands. And although uh, the reports out of CES from folks that uh, managed to play some games there uh, are really encouraging, it was definitely working there very well. Uh, you know, the, the the responses seem to to range from just a tiny amount of lag in compression uh, to uh, works flawlessly, uh, which mm-hmm. is a, an encouraging early development. But so much of make, what makes that service work is going to be based on how it works in your place and how far you are from the servers. And there are all sorts of weird scenarios that are going to come up for that service, which is why they're running you know, a beta test in January. But I hope it works as well as was reported because that would be really damn cool. Um, yeah. But hard to say too much about that service until you know I'm actually playing with it in, in my house.
1: I think I'm finally trained uh, to the point where... I, it used to be that anytime anyone announced a service like this, I would just be like, that sounds great. I'm really excited about it. And then it would end up never working correctly, and I would just get really sad. So I think I have finally trained my brain to react accordingly to news announcements like this and go, yeah, that sounds great, but the internet is not really built for what they're talking about yet, at least not consumer-grade internet for most people. Uh, and so that and the, the WWE Network announcements both have left me going yes this sound like really terrific ideas i am super on board with the idea the concepts behind them i have like this much faith that they will actually work as intended uh for at least the first year uh because i you know sony has obviously had its issues with playstation network working correctly over the years and i realize this is like a slightly different thing and this is not you know predicated on those exact same servers doing the same things but like I still don't trust a widespread game streaming service to actually work on American consumer internet uh, correctly for a good long while. Similarly, the WWE has had apparently not been super great as far as like their uh, pay-per-view streaming and other things, uh, you know, in in previous iterations. So I am not convinced that that thing is going to work exactly the way everyone says it's going to. Uh, I wish I was not this cynical. These sound like really exciting, awesome things, but I am also sitting here going. Yeah, I'm gonna put money into them inevitably, but boy, I'm gonna—it's gonna really suck when these things don't work.
0: Yeah, and I'm definitely curious to see how they approach uh, how people access the service. You know, uh, when I inquired about whether this was uh, a service that will be because it's gonna be subscription based, or you can rent it yeah. on a per-title basis. Uh, whether this is gonna be rolled into your PlayStation Plus account or as a separate subscription, I expect it will be a separate subscription. But the caveat there being. My guess is that PlayStation Plus owners get, on a per-title basis, access to some games on the PlayStation Now service in the same way that you get an instant game collection. Uh, my guess is that Sony will say, like, hey, this month you can get, you know, redeemed to get access to uh, Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation Now uh, for your, you know, Vita and PlayStation 4. Um, and I guess Bravia TVs, because they're going to roll it out to non-PlayStation devices. Uh, but my guess is if you want the full-on subscription service, uh, you're going to have to pay an additional fee, which seems, I think, completely reasonable. I don't think that's even a thing to get yeah. upset about. Like the, it's a separate infrastructure, it's a separate kind of service, um, and if they make it compelling enough, then you know, I, I think they're they'll be justified. But I think a lot of that's gonna be predicated on them getting third parties on board, uh, because I don't think Sony has enough of a first-party library that I would want to mm-hmm. sign up for a subscription service, and instead, I would probably want to play on a on a per title basis uh but we'll see yeah. we'll see what the li- the the title the the title library is for that stuff there's just kind of you know a lot of details we don't know about uh but for you know for like a game like journey you know something that isn't twitch based you know i'm probably willing to put up with a significant amount of or at least you know a decent amount of lag because it's just it probably won't impact that experience uh too much um yeah. but we'll see um, I want it all to work that's, yeah. it, that,
1: that's what i will say is that I want this all to work because this all sounds great and i'm i'm super into the idea of it uh it will definitely negate some of the sour grapes that some had about the whole you know lack of backward backward compatibility stuff on on the ps4 um not all of it but some of it at least so i'm Godspeed to sony on that one
0: yeah absolutely and with that I think that is gonna bring uh the first real bombing the name with scoops and the wolf to a close Alex it is, it is good to have you back uh, it it's is great good to, be good to be back in the rhythm of things uh, like I said so, if uh, people have guest suggestions feel free to shoot them over to me as I start uh, reaching out to folks and scheduling out our Mondays uh, prior to when we'll have convention season kicking uh, back into gear a little bit with uh, it's happening later this year GDC and PAX East are much later than they were uh, and years prior, GDC is not till late March, and uh, PAX East is not till early April. So we've got some time before all of that starts going. But um, that'll do it for for me and you for for Monday. Uh, it's 10:37, so I'm not sure if I'm gonna hit my 11 a.m. start time for Splunky, but I would like to, so that I can get over to. Uh, the cards against humanity office today so uh, maybe i will try and do splunky at 11:15 or 11:30 so i can go eat something really quick but uh, alex what are you what are you up to this week you're just getting back into the rhythm of things you got any anything on your plate
1: Yeah, nothing really on my plate at the moment. Um, I'll probably uh, start trying to futz around with some video things that I had left by the wayside before the break uh, and the the deluge of Game of the Year stuff hit. Uh, Other than that, yeah, just uh, getting ready for Friday's show and doing some other stuff here and there.
0: Cool. All right, Alex, I will talk to you again on Friday.
1: Later on. Ow.